0: Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, and Jeff Fiegel with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. You can also send in your questions on Twitter to hashtag GiantsChat or social media maven. Paul Dettino will be keeping an eye on those. And then, yeah, right. And then you can also send in your questions <laughs> uh, if you're not on social media or you don't have access to a phone. You can send them into our portal at Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK. Questions, Gentlemen, Mr. Detino, Mr. Fegels, how are you today? Paul, you got caught in the rain on your walk.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. I had Should a half a mile. Jeff, and I, I know you walked too. I don't know I if you got it in. in the rain, oh, I my early. goodness. Mm-hmm. Four and a half miles into my five, and then all of a sudden the clouds just let go. Now, the question is how far away were you from home at that I, point? I was about a half a mile away. Okay, that's not too bad. It that's wasn't bad. too bad, but it was coming down really hard.
0: That's okay.
2: What are you going to do? At least
1: it wasn't cold. Jeff, right. how was your morning?
2: Mine's great. I got up early and walked. Then I got a little bit of a sprinkle.
1: How early is early
0: for you?
2: Uh, I was on the road at six twenty this morning. Wait, so you drive somewhere to walk? No, I was on the road, meaning walk, oh, walking oh, on I, the I road. Oh, gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. <laughs> But you know what? I do, I do, I do drive to a park. Typically, when it is raining, there's a there's a park that we go to. that's a little more covered. So, but I knew it was coming a little bit later, so we got it in. So. Enough of that. That was good, John. Thank you so much for asking, and and thank you for asking, Paul. No, you didn't ask me, but it was good. <laughs> see, see, I think that I think John likes me more than you do. I think he cares more about my health than you do. You would have asked me that question.
0: Wow, I asked I'm, I'm you sensing. About Fifty I'm, seconds ago, I said, "Did you go earlier?" I'm sensing oh. tension early I'm in the show. Kidding. This
2: is. I'm nice. just trying to get us fired up because we have a three we have a threesome here today, and so I'm sure there's going to be things being shot. You want to get fired up? Wow, we you have... really want
1: to get fired up? Have no, Charlie I... be the
2: first caller. Oh, God, no. <laughs> well, listen, that 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 won't fire me up as much as it will fire both of
0: you up. Well, we have, <laughs> we have, we have, we have tension, and Lance isn't even on the show, which I think is the biggest upset in the world. He's the oh, one that my. usually brings the, brings the agitation oh, to yeah, the program. Oh, yeah, he's always good for that, right?
2: No, let, okay, let's just let's just hit the, the reset button. Okay. What's up, guys? What are you doing, man?
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think a good place to start. We've talked about it a lot this week, but I think we can kind of touch on some of the stuff that um, we've been talking about for much of the week as we get some clarity as to what um, preseason's going to look at. And I think if everyone wants to take go to Dan Graziano and check out his story on ESPN.com, he gave a pretty good um, feeling of exactly what the three levels of negotiations are that are remaining between the players and ownership as they try to kind of figure out exactly what the season is going to look like. And uh, I'll run them down for you real quick. Uh, The big one is the third one. And by the way, they are having a conversation today, again, the owners and players. He says they're making progress on all these issues, and they hope to have something done um, by the end of the weekend. But the three big issues, the first one is how to handle the long-term financial stuff. You know, whether or not you're going to smooth the salary cap, how many years do you smooth the salary cap based on potential revenue loss, uh, things of that nature. That's kind of the big elephant in the room. Then you also have what the process is for players that might want to opt out of the season due to worries uh, about COVID. And then rules for the acclimation period of training camp, and the three are kind of tied together. They're on negotiating points, and that's kind of where they are. Uh, But, Paul and Jeff, I think the good sign is that they seem to be – lacking in acrimony in a lot of ways. I'm sure they're, you know, fierce negotiations. The both sides are trying to get their way and all that stuff. But you're not hearing a lot of the the public yelling, pointing fingers back and forth that we saw, for example, when the baseball owners and players were going through this about a month ago.
1: Well, you know, Jeff was was part of the, uh, the players' uh, rep uh, for, for quite a while, so I think he probably could give you a little bit more of an indication as to what the temperature is based <laughs> on what they're saying publicly, but I would only say this, John, I agree with you a thousand percent that despite the fact that there seem to be a few pebbles and tiny bumps in the road, it is nothing like what we experienced with MLB, although finally they got on the field and the Yankees of course destroyed uh, the Washington Nationals I, last night. I
0: think destroyed yeah is a little strong but okay did you see that 460 foot home run
1: i did i was, that was i was he destroyed the baseball he did yeah. yes yes yeah
2: there, there's a lot of stuff here and you know without going into too much of it i i feel like it, bottom line here is there there's there has to be some way to get through this i mean i i feel like we're in such unprecedented times that you know there's things that world people are not going to want to do but the, the bottom line here, guys, is that I I think the, the players want to play. They, they really do. Well, I think everyone
0: um, wants to play, which and, is why it's going to work out.
2: Exactly. But, you know, when it comes to money, you know it's all about money. It's always about money. And that's going to be the sticking point. And I, I don't know all the rules, what's happening here as far as if, you know, if there's a game played, is there guarantee? I, I think if I'm a guy... One of those people that does not have a guaranteed contract, which you know the league has come a long ways in getting those for players. I mean, guys have got them now, but there isn't a whole lot of them. So a majority of the the NFL, the players' guys, don't have guaranteed contracts. So I'm going to be fighting for – if we're taking a pay cut because of it and we can play, I'm, I'm going for it because I, I, want, to, I want to play football. Yeah. And if it's, if it's a 40% pay cut, 40% of something is more than 40% of nothing. So I'm going to go and play and, and understand that um, there's some, I guess, some harmony in this if we can get it together and, and, and be good. But I really believe um, there's a lot of owners, and I think there's a lot of players that are still very concerned about COVID. And there can't be because, you know what, guys, we're lucky, at least I am. I, I, I'm not sick. I don't have people in my family that are sick or, you know, people or young kids that have, have um, problems with health. So, but there's a lot of there's a lot of players in the National Football League that may be living with their parents, living with their grandparents, have young kids. So there's a lot of stuff that we have to think about here.
0: Yeah, look, it really it, is. and no question about it. And all that stuff hopefully will get worked out. It's a, yep. you know, and we look, can't do anything every, about it. Everyone's gonna have to be flexible with it, right? This is kind of That's what right. we talked about from the beginning. Yeah. the more flexible everyone is is being is willing to be. Uh, the better chance this has of going off. And then once everyone gets to where they have to go, uh, the more personally responsible everybody is, the better chance we yes. have of getting yes. where we want to go. So, Jeff, uh, Paul and I have kind of talked about this a lot already, so I want to get your take yeah, on it. That's fine. Um, we kind of know at this point, or at least according – I shouldn't say that. According to reports, one of the things that the owners and players have agreed upon is – that there were probably not going to be any preseason games. We don't know what the ramp-up period is going to look like, how long padded practice will be, mm-hmm. unpadded practice, strength and conditioning. But from a player's perspective, how do you view this with the mm-hmm. ramp-up period, with no preseason games, simply in terms of being ready to play in week one?
2: Well, I'll do it kind of in two phases. Please. Okay, the, the, fir- the first one is, if I'm an established veteran, um, I don't really care about the preseason games unless you like to play them okay i like to play them i used to i felt it was good for me it's it's just kind of get get you caught up on game speed work on some things that you know it doesn't count i think i've mentioned this before i would try to do things in the game in the preseason that i know if i screwed them up it doesn't matter i would the coach's staff knows i'm working on something right um the other side of the coin is that if i'm a undrafted free agent, or I'm even a first or second year guy that could be on the bubble. This is concerning to me because now I don't have a platform to go on and show what I could do because now that we don't, and John, you hit the nail on the head, we don't know what the ramp up period is. How much time is there going to be for padded practices and things like that? Possibly there, only
0: 10 days, by the way. For well, okay, that, then that's nuts.
2: then now I'm really worried because <laughs> I know I'm not getting any reps if I'm one of those guys I just mentioned. And, you know, right off the bat, I think that if they're going to go from 90 to 80, and that's just – I don't know if that's official, but if that's the case, you know, and some teams at 90 players, they're going to cut 10 guys right away. Now, most likely those 10 guys that they cut right away, John, well, those guys were going to probably get cut anyways. But my to answer your question, John, I'm a little bit worried about getting reps in practice and showing the team that I can – you know, I'm
0: good enough to make the team. Yeah, I'm going to put the, I'm gonna put this to both of you guys then, Jeff, because uh, I think this is interesting. A lot of fans probably no, don't know this, but the way – these training camp practices are structured changes from the start of camp to the end of camp, right? So I feel like the first part of camp, you're getting reps, you're doing installation, and you're really doing evaluation, right? And guys are getting used to what they're doing. Then the last couple weeks of practices, you're starting to do work with cards. You're practicing your game preparation, how to prepare for an opponent. So if you're contracting all these padded practices into just 10 days now, how are they going to balance? And Jeff will start with you, since you've been a player that's done this before. How do you think they're going to balance those two different types of practices that we see over the course of what's usually a thirty-plus day training camp compressed into fifteen days? Well, you're going to see the playbook shrink. You're going to see
2: you know things you can't work on in ten days that you could work on in forty days. You know, I mean, you're going to see very simplified game plans. You're going to see very simplified. Um, you know, defenses and, and you're going to have to slowly kind of work them into the season. So like, if you thought the tackling was bad the first month of the season, when there was training, camp, wait till you see it this year. (laughs) I mean, it's just, you gotta, so it's going to be very simple. You're going to see, very simple run packages. You're going to see very simple. You're going to see a lot of screens. Just throw the ball out to Saquon in a screen and let him go what he's going to do. Defense is not – you're not going to have an elaborate blitz packages because you just don't have enough time to work on these things. So that's what you're going to see. That's what's going to happen. And it's going to be – I think that guys like us who really study the game and kind of understand it, we're going to be able to identify it. But for the most part, I don't think a lot of people are really going
1: to know that much. They're just going to love to see football. You know, Jeff, I, I know from a punter's perspective, you're going to have a different feeling necessarily than, than the other guys on the offense sure, and defense. Absolutely. But, but let me ask you this, because I'm one who would like to see a blue-white scrimmage or at least try to do some of those types of things to pseudo-replicate. What a preseason game might have been, Paul. Real
0: quick, I, I just want to follow up. I, I just want you to be clear what you're talking. Are you talking about like full contact yeah. tackling to the ground? Are you talking more the mechanics of like time, play clock, getting out of the huddle? When you say scrimmage, what exactly do you mean?
1: I'm, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying full contact because I don't think they're going to be able to legislate that on their own. The league is going to say how much full contact you can have. But you can put an interest tried scrimmage together on the field running plays and, you know, playing touch football. I hate to say it, but that's the way it's going to have to be because you know that, again, the league and the the CBA is going to regulate how much you can touch. So even if it's touch football— Have a a blue-white scrimmage so that you can go through calling the plays, going through the diagnostic of trying to make sure guys get the call right, they know who's got the helmet, who's going to give them the hand signals, who's going to do silent snap count for the quarterback. Um, I'd like to see some of the game day operation incorporated into what otherwise is a training camp practice where you don't really get that.
2: Jeff, do you think that would help? Well, I think there will be parts of that. I don't think you can do all of it. I think that, you know, when you have nine on seven, that's kind of like, you know, that's an inner squad scrimmage in a sense. But, you know, the whole package, I think they have to, Joe Judge and his staff is going to have to do something like that. They've never been together before. So they're going to have to have some resemblance of, you know, a pregame and and in a game situation with the headsets and the walkie talkies. So, yes, I think I would like to see it, too. I wouldn't want to see a blue and white. I'd like to see a blue and red. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> just it doesn't matter, right?
1: <clears throat> well, but the point is, yeah, the nine-on-seven is, is a watered-down version of that. I, I want to step it up. I want to make it a little bit more like the game they experience. And I'm agreeing with you. I'm just yeah. saying, like, they,
2: they do have those types of scrimmages daily mm-hmm. when, they, when they do nine-on-seven, seven-on-seven, things like
0: that. Those are real. Well, remember, but... But in the practice they have been doing, at least under Pat Shermer, they would have those situations where they would do situations, right? They oh, give sure. the team the ball and they'll tell the offense, "Okay, you have it on your own 15-yard line, you have a minute 45 seconds, two timeouts, yes. we need a touchdown to win." And they do a clock, a play clock, a game clock, the mm-hmm. whole deal. So, you want to see more of that sort of stuff, Paul.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you I know, four-minute offense. They yeah. would do that. Sure. Or they would run a two-minute a two-minute drill. Yeah, but I I'd, I'd ramp that up a little bit more. Yeah, You know what you – they
2: could do it a very a very minimal kind of inter-squad scrimmage, kind of like when – remember back in the day when the Jets used to come up to, to Albany and they used to have a scrimmage up there, mm-hmm. right? So they would start off with live punt and then they would do a nine-on-seven, a nine on seven-on-seven, seven one-on-one drills, things like that. You know, you could incorporate that into – you know, one day of doing that if you wanted to, or one practice of it and just kind of – and have an evaluation. They have to have some way to to go about evaluating these players rather than just drills, right? I mean, they want to see if some of these guys are – see, the big thing about losing – and this is back to John, your, your original question about not playing in preseason. The big thing about from an evaluation standpoint is that there's a lot of these guys that didn't – you know, some of them didn't play – all of them didn't play at Ohio State you know, or Miami or all these big things. They want to see if the lights aren't too big for them. You know, I mean, they want to see these guys perform in a in a stadium where it's a professional atmosphere. You're not going to get that at practice.
0: That's well, going to be hard to do. Yeah, Jeff, i got to stand up for Dan Salomon. I think he'd be insulted for you putting the Miami program in the same um, oh. category as the oh. Ohio State program. Oh, wow. Hey, <laughs> <Wow. laughs> I, 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 I have to stand up for Dan Salomon, I'm sorry. Well, um, I don't know this for a fact,
2: but I think if we went and looked at our national championships, I don't know where that would land. But Ohio
0: State <laughs> have more? Not in the last 10 years, you don't. (laughs)
2: No, no, no. I'm talking collectively now. And we could barely get to a bowl game (laughs) rather than a national championship
0: game. (laughs) All right. This is the final thing I want to touch on this before we get to. uh, We have a caller on the line. I got a bunch of questions uh, racked up for us, two guys. This is what I mentioned to Lance the other day. I'd like to get both of you guys' take on it. To me, we are going to have far fewer waiver claims when you get to cut day. Because it's going to be very difficult, I think, for teams to evaluate the players on other rosters aside from what they had sure. on them heading into the draft and prior pro personnel stuff. So, you know, this is undrafted, guys. You're going to have your draft reports and your college scouts. You're not going to have any preseason games, or so your pro scouts can evaluate how they do, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you'll probably have fewer waiver claims of younger players from team mm-hmm. to team. But... In my opinion, I think you're going to have some more trades here because teams who maybe do not have the time to develop these younger guys, they, they can't, you know, get a ton of confidence in them because they haven't seen them on the field enough, especially mm-hmm. in game situations. Because, yep. Jeff, and I guess I'll start with this really quick. You can answer this. There are players that practice really well, but then when they into the game, it disappears, right? Oh, my
2: God, yeah. I yeah mean, I've mean, i seen yeah.
0: I've them. I've had them. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just think about it. Giant fans, if player if, if a guy that practiced well, was great in a game, we'd be going to Sonoris Moss's (laughs) Hall of Fame ceremony next year. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there are players that way. So I think you're going to have fewer waiver claims, and I think you're going to have more trades where teams are going to target some veterans where maybe other teams have some positional depth and, and they're willing to move them. You maybe have position depth at a different spot, and you can swap those guys to fill certain needs because maybe you can't put as much faith in these younger guys because, Paul, you just haven't seen them on the field enough.
1: Well, yeah, you know, John, I think where what comes into play here may be what we talked about a lot during the off season, where you have coaches who have come from different places who are familiar with guys who are with them before. So, for example, if you feel as though you have a need as you're going through training camp at a certain position – you're probably going to go not only to your scouts and your personnel guys, but you might even go to your coaches.
0: Right, and I made this point to Lance yesterday, Paul. Maybe there's an extra receiver or cornerback that the Cowboys cut that Jason yes. Garrett knows, or there's a player
1: exactly. that Patrick Graham
0: coached last year in Miami, something like that.
1: I do believe that those past ties may come more into play this year. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the other thing too, you have to understand this is that you know the the pro personnel guys. They they would like to evaluate in pro situations. They want to see guys in 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 pro you know games. Not all their evaluations, their their pre evaluations are done all through college. But yep. you know they're not gonna. Th- that's okay, and that you know the player is not the player's fault that they're not going to be able to play a preseason game. But the fact of the matter is, is they want them to see them in real situations, and so a lot of these guys. The answer to your to your question is yes. I believe that you're correct. Um, there isn't going to be a lot of claims because there's just guys. They just they don't want to if they haven't seen them play against pro level athletes. They're not going to bring them back. It's just they're just going to wait and wait till next year or something. And because, I think
0: there's going to be value, Jeff, to keeping your own young guys on your practice well, squad because they were actually in your virtual program and they had 100%. some clue of what's going
1: on. Yeah, especially if you have sixteen of them.
0: Right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And the other part of it is from the trading part of it and we've seen the trade activity pick up in the National Football League the last few years there's been more trades um, and I think that'll continue where there's injuries Uh, defensive end or you know whatever it is if there's if there's depth problems on your team and you need veterans you could go and trade to try to find a backup guy that you know has got a little long in the tooth here but he could come in and really fill a need for you by a trade and maybe not have to give up much.
0: No question about it. All right, guys, you ready for some questions? Sure. All right, but first, let's get to our caller because they've been on the line uh, since the start of the show. And make sure we get to them. Caller, you're on the air with John, Jeff, and Paul. And just a reminder, folks, we only have one line, no call screener. So if you're not getting through and it's busy, just keep calling back. You'll get through. And once you get on, we're going to just bring you right on the air. And then we're going to ask you, caller,
3: what's your name and where you're calling from? Hi, my name is Joey B. from Pennsylvania, to differentiate from Joe from Pennsylvania.
0: <laughs> no problem, Joe B. What's on your mind
3: today, my friend? And okay. also
0: and, and also to divert, differentiate yourself from Joe B. from WFAN. That's <laughs> right. Bro, bro, um, go ahead, bro. Uh,
3: long time listener, first time caller. Thank you. Just want to say you guys have really gotten us through this whole thing really well. Uh, I love Paul, Lance, John. Jeff, you're definitely my favorite. Uh, uh, listen,
2: listen. That. That's beautiful.
3: Oh, you're a former music player. That's not fair. It's funny.
1: <laughs>
4: well, and the caller's obviously
1: a Miami alum too.
2: Yeah. So, oh no,
1: he's just a smart
2: guy that listens to good people. That's it. Thank you, Joe. Uh,
3: uh, no problem. I met you once actually in 2004 when uh, they were still doing the autograph sessions during draft day at the stadium. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Joe, actually, okay. that's the biggest upset that you've actually met Jeff and he's still your favorite. Because usually, wow. once you meet the guy,
1: <laughs> that stops
0: being the case.
1: Oh,
3: 2004, well, it's going tell way back. Truth, I love how he takes Charlie apart, so. <laughs>
0: you must love Lance then, geez. <laughs> yes, I
3: know, right? Yeah, that's funny. What's on your mind, Joe? Uh, Enough of Jeff. <laughs> my, my question is, and I know I sent this in a tweet to Paul, but I, I still wanted to ask you. Guys who play for teams for a long time, and and I've heard you say how you know, like you hate the Eagles and um, Dallas or whatever. How does a player change their um, their allegiance to a team? Yeah, to a team when when all of a sudden they find themselves going from Dallas to New York, or from New yeah. York to Philadelphia.
2: That's a good question. I mean, I, I've been asked many times, like, do you have, you know, like, what's your favorite team? And you know what my favorite team is. And I think it's a lot of it is just how much time, good quality time you spend with those teams. I mean, if you have a cup of coffee with the Bills and, you know, you have, uh, you know, six years with this team, I just think it's all a matter of preference. I mean, some guys are fortunate enough to play for the team that they grew up rooting for, you know, um, yeah. you wouldn't, you guys wouldn't, you would hate the, the team that I grew up rooting for. Um, and I'm not even going to say it, but I tell you they're in the division. Um, but anyways, and I lived in Arizona, so you can kind of do geographically as close as you could get to that team. <laughs> but I won't say it. Um, but anyways, it's, I, I think it's just a matter of the experience that you have and and how that organization treated you as a player, and you know, listen, and and the success you had at that at that team. I mean, the Giants for me obviously have always treated me well. Won a Super Bowl with them. Went to a Pro Bowl with them. I mean that obvious, and I'm living here, so they're my team. That's it.
1: You know, if I, if I Not can sure. tell you something, Joe, and th- this is held true, at least throughout my experience in talking to players who have been well-traveled, and Jeff is certainly one of those guys, mm-hmm. but I'll give you a great example, right? Uh, Dion Grant and um, Sam Madison, two guys who had great success in the National Football League as star players at their respective positions with other teams, and then at the end of their careers, they came to the Giants, mm-hmm. and they won a Super Bowl with the Giants. Well, Sam Madison, I know now he won a, a championship with Kansas City as an assistant coach, but every single time I would see Sam Madison, he always had his giant Super Bowl ring on. And I think everybody thinks of him more as a dolphin. But. Sure. He had this connection to the Giants because that's where he played in and won a Super Bowl. So that became something so special and dear to his heart because it's where he won something. Same thing with Dion Grant. Played with Seattle, played with Carolina, played with the Giants at the end of his career. In fact, even the Giants cut him and they brought him back off the street he wound up winning a Super Bowl. Well, Deion Grant will tell you, he bleeds Giants blue. Why? Because he was part of a championship team with the Mm -hmm. Giants. When you win somewhere, especially if it's a title, there is a bond. There is a gorilla-glue bond that cannot be broken. Good point.
3: Good point. Well, thank you guys very much. I'll let you get to another caller. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you, Joe B. Thanks for calling in and being such a loyal listener. Thank you. Stay safe. Thank you. You too. Oh boy, I don't know those love for Jeff Eagles. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I could do it. Hey, I God. moved on. I no, didn't. You did. you know, I
2: didn't I didn't like, you know, continue just to sit there and love it all. I, I just said then you know what else? What else we got going?
0: I could sense your glow. All right, this question is just for you, Jeff. I it was glowing. I was gonna read it yesterday, but I saved it for you today. Oh, because thank you, and it references something we already talked about. So Enzo wants to know, one of Paulie's paisans, I would imagine. Uh, <laughs> this isn't a question necessarily, but I'm just reading his his question. But looking at next year's draft, there's a prospect named Gregory Rousseau from Miami and considered the best edge rusher. He had 15 and a half sacks last year. Jeff, give me your Miami Hurricanes scouting report Ooh. on Gregory Rousseau. Don't even know who he is. I'm so sorry
2: to say that. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I figured it was a Miami guy. I thought it was safe. I, well, you know what? I'm ashamed to say I don't. And at least I'm honest, right? I mean, no, I could course. just pull his name up here and just start, you know, no, no, reading no. off you don't some want to stats and stuff. But, hey, listen, they, but I will. I know this. Miami does have a track record for defensive end and defensive linemen. So, I think that, you know, obviously the Giants have one here, okay, with McIntosh. So, I mean, we're okay there. So, hopefully uh, he'll get drafted high and we can put a little notch in our uh – Lipstick case, as people say, just another high draft pick. They haven't had very many high draft picks over there
1: lately, so I'm hoping he's one of them. Jeff, I don't want to throw any buckets of water on your Hurricane guys, okay? okay. But I'm looking at, at something about this fella now, and it happens to mention that he had 15 and a half sacks, I guess, last year, which tied Greg Mark for the second most sacks in a single season in Hurricane's history. Okay. Now, that probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people. But back in the Parcells days, Greg Mark was a defensive lineman who the Giants drafted, I believe it was in the third round out of Miami. And Greg Mark did not get out of his first rookie training camp before he was cut. Mm -hmm. Because, quite frankly, He was a terrific production uh, producer in the college game, but could not translate it. In fact, the Giants tried to make him a linebacker. He was a a defensive lineman at Miami. Mm -hmm. Came to the Giants. They tried to make him a backer. Parcells wanted nothing to do with him. They cut him before even opening day started. I've never seen the Giants in all of my years cut such a high draft pick. Without having him at least make the opening day roster and get through a rookie season. It was something that just was startling, and he was that worthless at the pro level. And never even landed anywhere else after the Giants got rid of him. So if that's his claim to fame at Miami, that's not something I would be skyriding about.
0: So Paul out on Gregor Rousseau because of uh, Jeffrey Rousseau because Greg Mark failed forty years ago. Is that the theme? I'm here? not saying I'm out. I'm simply <laughs> sure saying like I'm
1: simply <laughs> saying don't give him an automatic free pass to Canton, okay? That's about all I'm gonna say.
0: Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Let's go to don't another just... caller. Yeah. Nine seven
2: three. Go ahead, Jeff. What do you got for me? Well, I was just gonna say the reason we opened up the show because there's gonna be there's gonna be shots taken today. I, mean, I just felt it, and that was one right there. Yeah, just I mean, come on,
0: Miami Hey, listen, they should
2: you know what they should fire? They should have fired the the uh, the staff that drafted him if they thought he was so good, right? They drafted him in the third round and then cut yeah. him.
1: You know, oh, and, and, and I stand corrected. I do see now, looking at Greg Mark's bio, I just looked it up. He mm-hmm. did appear in six games combined with the Eagles and Dolphins before he finally uh, was booted out of the NFL. Yeah,
2: I also thought he, I thought he got hurt in his career. He was. He yeah. was also hurt. Now,
1: the, 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 was, the
0: better question, yeah. Paul, did he play with Jeff Eagles at any
1: point? No. <laughs> No. O- only in college. Okay. Only in college. Height <laughs> 7 Two-time national champion with the Hurricanes. 6671960.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the phones. Call, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
1: Hey, it's Mark in Chicago. How are you doing, hey, Mark? Hey, what's
0: Mark?
5: going on? Hey, um everyone's excited about the new season. Hopefully, we're going to have it. We have a new coaching staff. But I think we sort of have to temper the expectations and happy talk about making the playoffs. Um, everyone who's been comparing this season to maybe 2011 because of the um, labor dispute back then. And Mark,
0: by the way, just for the record, that's been from callers, not necessarily from us.
5: Well, I, I agree with that. And that's what I'm saying. I think some of the callers have to maybe hold that for the bold predictions day. But what I did was I went back to 2011 and looked who made the playoffs and who their coaches were. And there were six teams that did not make the playoffs in 2010 that made it in 2011. Uh, One was the Texans, who won six games in 2010. Their coach was Kubiak, uh, who's a pretty good coach. The Bengals won four games the prior year, but Marvin Lewis was the coach. He was pretty good. Uh, We have a guy named Tom Coughlin, who won 10 games in 2010, missed the playoffs. And then Lions with Jim Schwartz. But there are two other coaches that were new that year, like we have with um, Joe Judge. Uh, One was John Fox, who went to the Broncos. won four games the year before, made the playoffs, and he he was a Super Bowl coach, and the other was Jim Harbaugh, who won six games, the 49ers won six games the year before, he comes in and they make the playoffs, so what I'm trying to say is, you know, these were sort of solid teams, they had good coaches, and I think to expect that we're going to make the playoffs with a new coaching staff, especially with a guy who's never been a head coach, yeah, I think that's sort of a wild prediction.
1: Mm -hmm. Paul, Jeff, your thoughts? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's tough. As 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 Mark just said, he's hearing it more from the callers than he is from us. I mean, I think we've all been very realistic that we we all believe. And uh, if I'm not speaking for you guys, certainly chime in. But I think we all believe the Giants are on the right track. The arrow is pointing up, and they should be better. Now, how does that translate into their position in the standings and their one loss record? My goodness, I I don't know, uh, but. You know, for anybody to suggest right out of the box right now that the Giants are going to be a playoff team, I think that's quite a reach.
2: Yeah, well, it's especially in in the atmosphere, excuse me, the landscape that we're in right now. I mean, Joe Judge just, I don't know how many guys are over at the facility, but he's just meeting his players you think about that yet.
0: Not yet. Yeah, veterans aren't there yet. Yeah. So
2: so there you think about that. So now we talk about a team making the playoffs. I mean, they have not even met the head coach yet. And by the way, (laughs) and by the way, the rookies are still going through their testing. So I don't even think they've met the head coach yet. So it's a lot of it's a lot of expectations that people are are talking about. But it's probably
0: well, guys, it is the defense. I mean, look, well, put all that other side stuff aside. Why is this defense going to be that much better than it was last year? I mean, I think it can be better. Is it going to be better to the point where it's going to make a big enough difference to get from four wins to ten wins? I don't I, – they have to show that to me before I believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Michael, listen, they, if, 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 there, if, there's ever, if there's ever a time when you could say
2: coaching goes a long ways, well, maybe hopefully they will, you know, because I'm with you. I, I mean, this defense needs so much more improvement than – I mean, they haven't had it be able to work anywhere with this team this year other than virtually what are you getting done virtually I mean it's tough really tough I mean I listen six games is I think I was watching a program yesterday um they had the Giants at six and a half was the over under it they were saying and by by the way Warren Sharp who we had on the
0: Giants Auto mm-hmm. podcast has them at six and a half
2: as well six and a half okay so there you go I mean are you are you over or are you under there I mean listen it's an improvement from last year so I'll take six and a
1: half you know? see, see, I think at this point, fellas, the only thing that we can do, and, and Mark, I don't know if you're still there, but the only thing that we can do is say, listen, he is. The, these are the guys that we see on the roster today. Now, obviously we haven't had a regular off season. I get that. But I will tell you, the credentials of the veterans the Giants have brought in and the credentials of the college guys that they have brought in are better than some of the credentials of the guys of the last few years. And I also believe that we have heard from around not only NFL but the NCAA ranks nothing but respect and praise for this coaching staff. And I've said before, the most important transaction the Giants may have made this year was the addition of an outstanding coaching staff. So that, by definition, tells me if the staff's improved and the roster's improved, it's a better team. But that doesn't necessarily translate into a ton more wins. Good point, and
5: Paul, I am on the line, and just to take the point I was trying to make a little bit further, and it ties into what you just said. All those six teams that were new to the playoffs in 2011
3: made them, made it in 2012. So you know, it all starts with the coaching
5: staff. Now, obviously, they don't play the game, but you have to have a solid coaching staff in order to have success. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Thank you, Mark. All right, Thank thanks you. guys. Appreciate Bye. the call, my friend. And look, there're there going to be challenges, and we get that. We get it. All and right. you
2: kind of you kind of hope that you know maybe once in a while you see it there's a team out of nowhere just comes back and you know look at the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, those guys turned it around pretty quickly. you know, they drafted well. They built that defensive line down there or up there wherever you want to call it. and um they did pretty well, so it can happen. It can, it can certainly happen, but, you know, it's a long shot.
0: All right, I got a two-part question here, and I answered. Mm-hmm. I had um, Lance answer this with me yesterday. Oh, I lost it here for a second. Hold on one second. Where is it? Here we go. This is from Lorson in the U.K. Um, he wanted to know if you could pick one player from one season over the last 10 years of Giants football, so one player's individual season, and add that player to this year's roster. Who, what player in what season would it be and why? I'll let you guys think about it for a second. I selected OC from 2010. That's when he had his like 10 force fumbles, 12 and a half sacks, and I thought it would give them the type of edge rusher that they need. Lance went a little outside the box. Lance went a little outside the box. <laughs> he. He selected... He wasn't
2: standing on the box, he went outside the box. uh, Which one is it? He
0: got so far outside the box, (laughs) he needed a step stool to get there. (laughs) He selected two different potential options. He went either Chase Blackburn or he went Stevie Brown in the year he had all those interceptions. I'll just let that sit there. Which one of you guys would like to go first?
1: Well, I'm still stunned with what Lance... (laughs)
0: I
2: know, I figure you are Stevie wouldn't. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, and I, I know it's one player from one season. Yes. How many seasons back? Uh, 2010. Oh, so 2010 on. It's pretty yeah. easy, to be honest with you
0: guys. Mm. Well, I mean. Well, so go ahead, Paul. If you have an easy answer? Tell, yeah, tell oh, us it's sure. easy. JPP
1: in 2011. That, that, that was my second choice after O.C. 16 and a half sacks, 86 tackles, 23 for a loss, and 28 quarterback hits. Are you kidding me? What I wouldn't do to see the Giants get that kind of production out of one of their defensive front guys this year. That's easy. That is easy. No, that's fair. And, and th- those, those are my two choices. I picked the O.C. or Paul
0: because of all the forced fumbles.
1: And there's nothing wrong with the amount of turnovers, but across the board, all the other stats, uh, JPP would would have a significant advantage over OC, and that's hard for me to say because you know <sighs> I'm real tight with OC, but no, that's fair. Um, I, I have, you know,
0: I have no argument with that choice. I think that's a fair. The choice. numbers are huge. No, no argument. Well, Jeff, you see, do you want?
2: Do, well, do, do, well do. I, I see why. I, I well, there's this is it's a good question. And do you want I, to marinate
0: I, on this a little bit longer? No, do you want to think about it? or Are you ready?
2: I, I well, I'm trying. I'm trying to go offense. Offensively, but it's difficult because if you're going to need one player, you guys both went to the defensive end. Now, obviously,
0: the easy answer is Eli from 2011, but I don't, I, but I don't think you want to sit Daniel Jones down. So I'm kind of taking that into consideration.
2: Would somebody? I mean, what about what about um, Odell? I mean, in the season that he had, the one year, wasn't it? Um, it all
0: depends if you want to deal with all the stuff that goes along with that.
2: <laughs> well, for one year, I, one season, I would. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you know? so i probably then, would go with Odell because then my, I think that's a fair answer. My my first my first uh, um, thought was going to be stay on defense and go with probably and believe it or not, I was going to say JPP, um, but I'm going to go offense and I will go with Odell Beckham. What year was that? 2011 was the Super Bowl,
1: right? Well, yeah, but here, Jeff, Jeff, here's the thing, and I think what makes the question unique is that he's talking about if you could have one year from a past giant of the decade and put it on this team. I don't know that, that Odell's uh, offensive production that year, as terrific as it was, would look at about what, I don't want to say incremental but but his numbers, how much of a difference are those numbers going to make with what we think is going to be a pretty darn good offense as it is now?
0: Right, and I think the other question, too, then, Paul, and I agree with you, that's why I, when I looked at this, I thought of Odell, and I'm like, I, I'm just not going to go wide receiver because I think that part of the team is good enough, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't think of an offensive lineman. You know, Chris Snee was still really good in 2010, mm-hmm. but you have two good, pretty good guards right now, right? I couldn't find an offensive tackle. Charlie, of course, tweeted us that he would take Will Beatty from 2011. Yeah, okay. Um, and I couldn't think of a cornerback that I think would, would be worth taking because Corey Webster was kind of towards the end at that point, right? Aaron Ross was kind of towards the end. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mm-hmm. want a really good slot corner and you want to take Trell Thomas pre-ACL when he had his best year, maybe you could consider something like that. But that's kind of how I looked at it a little bit. Well, see, I
1: mean, it's it's about the differentiation between what you think they've got on the field this year compared right. to the guy you pick, and that's why, Which is why me, I was trying
0: to find a pass rusher or a corner. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I mm-hmm. just—I don't see anybody on this team that's going to come close to putting up JPP's numbers.
0: No, I think that's fair. Do you see
1: anybody come close that's going to put up the numbers that Odell
0: Beckham did with that receiver core that's, that's now? Yeah, but Jeff, I think the biggest need for the current team, though, is not at wide receiver. I think that's the point. You know what I mean?
2: No, if you're go, yes, okay, yeah, by far, need is defensive end. That there you go. That's it. Linebacker, whatever you want. To
0: call it. I don't think any of us would argue that a player currently on the roster, a wide receiver, yeah. is going to you know gain fifteen hundred receiving yards. And Boy, it all should that be nice sort of though. <laughs>
1: sure, but again, <laughs> they they might have a thousand yard receiver though. Yeah, they might. That's true. They might have two. So I mean, and the truth is the the receivers collectively there's probably not going to be that much difference collectively whether or not Odell is on the team but JPP I mean heck like I said I don't know if there's another guy on this defense right now that's going to get 10 sacks yeah no listen I was just I trying
2: agree. to go offense that I was just trying to go offense but the need is defense and all, all, you know ultimately I think both of those guys OC
0: and JPP you're not going to argue with either one of those no question Absolutely. about it yeah. okay Another question. This one, let me bring it up here, is from Andrew McKay in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, I asked the first part of this question yesterday to Lance, but there was a second part, Paul, that was was just for you. So I just wanted to ask it to you specifically. He wanted to know who your fantasy football sleepers were for this year.
1: You know, that's hysterical, (laughs) Jim. It's on the paper. I'm not lying. He wrote it in, and and he's a funny guy. So I was just going to say, so you're not being the funny guy. He's being the funny guy. Yeah, no, that, that didn't come from me. That, that was that was in the email. That was in the
0: question that got brought. Do, in. do
1: you? And I'm going to be totally serious with you, but, John. How
0: about let's take Steve Brown's clipboard, by the way. I still can't get over
1: that. My primary <laughs> fantasy football wish is that fantasy football would go away. <laughs>
0: it's not going to go away. You're not going to get your wish. So that is Paul Sleeper cancellation. Yeah.
1: Cancellation of all fantasy football. That would be the greatest thing that could possibly happen.
0: All right, here we go. From Chad Grant, he wants to know. Um, with Marcus of potentially returning, what makes him, given his production last year, what makes him less desirable than some of the other top pass rushers that have gotten top, top dollar, you know, going from D4 to uh, Frank Clark and, you know, guys like that? Jeff, why don't we start with you? Well, I mean,
2: I, I, I don't think you can compare him to those other guys that you just mentioned. I mean,
0: <laughs> well, sack number wise, they're close. I think that's why he, has, he asked the question. Well, I think what's not
2: desirable about him is I, I just think that – I I just think he's kind of just that – I mean, he's a good player, but I, I know 10 sacks is a good number, and I don't know what that ranked him in last year, but I just don't see the sexiness about him as you would see the other guys. I mean, I just don't. I know it's a very vague answer, but no, – That's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, if he was that good and, you know, you want to compare him to those other guys, he would
1: have gotten a bigger deal. You know, you know, I think maybe the easiest way to describe it, Jeff, and we don't have to even go to the, uh, you know, analytics people, believe me. I, know, I think you don't it's really simple. There. Well, I think it's very simple, all right? There are pass rushers who you have to game plan for specifically. Sure. Those are the Excedrin guys. Who make offensive coordinators stay up (laughs) on Monday night? I like
0: that. That's good. Excedrin guys. Yeah.
1: They they make offensive coordinators stay up all Monday night trying to figure out how am I going to deal with that guy. Those are called Excedrin guys. And you know you're going to have to at least chip and probably double team them most of the game. Now, Marcus Golden is a very good player. He plays the run. He plays, you know, he's a good pass rusher. He hustles. He's Mm -hmm. a great locker room guy. But you know what? He's not an excedrin guy. He's just not. And and he's not going to dominate a game. He is what I call a Robin pass rusher. He's not a Batman. Mm-hmm. And and that's the biggest difference. And that's not to take anything away from him. But my goodness, I would love to see Marcus Golden playing opposite a Batman. Because he what a great duo that would be. But right now, you know, the Giants, last year, they basically asked him to try to be a Batman, and he's a Robin. And that's just the way it is. Sure. 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960.
0: Six, 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 we do have an open line. All right, this question from Hicks in Philly. I've kind of answered this question a bunch of times already, so I'll let you guys handle it. Outside of – um their explanation of Pat Graham wanting versatility week-to-week in terms of the defense's plans. What do you think will be the largest difference between last year's defensive game plans and this year's what specific players' traits of this team do you think we didn't use well enough last year that Graham will utilize more efficiently this year? Paul, why don't we start with you?
1: Well, I think what we found out is that even though uh, James Betcher was very multiple and he certainly wanted to do a lot of things with hybrid positions, I, I think his defensive system was was very structured, and unfortunately, I think it was too structured for the talent level that the Giants had. Given on their overall defensive unit, uh, they were not able to effectively implement. All the things he wanted to do the way he wanted to do them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that he was as capable of making the adjustments that he needed to make, given the deck of cards that he had in his hands. And ultimately, I do think that that was something that, that he's going to have to work on and get over as he continues his football career. I think from what I've seen and what I've known of Patrick Graham from his past resumes, he will be more adaptable in those ways. And for me that's going to be a, a significant plus for the Giants. Yeah, and if you're gonna be adaptable,
2: you gotta be willing to uh, put players in positions to succeed and and not expecting them to do things that they can't do. And I, I feel like last year with Betcher I feel like that's what happened. I feel it was like putting a square peg in a round hole at times where you're going to run this defense. Uh, We have to run it this way. And um, until you learn it, I'm going to keep calling it. And then they got burned and they got beat up. I don't think you're going to see that with Patrick Graham. I think he's a smart enough individual to understand that the roster that I have is the roster that I have to work with, and I'm going to do the best I can to put these guys in a position to succeed on a daily basis. I feel like this defense is going to be more disciplined now, to I answer will, that question.
0: I will say this, just, just just to defend Betcher a little bit. He tried all different sorts of coverages last year. I understand year.
2: that, and I'm not—, I'm not and I, Absolutely, but and and, it is, there is some onus on the players too, right? I mean, And nothing worked. I mean, he, yeah. he
0: tried everything. He just, yeah. nothing worked. And,
2: and listen, I think that, but I will tell you this, from being around as long as I have, you have to at some point in time say, okay, I'm coaching, I'm coaching, I'm coaching, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying
1: to do that. You still got to figure it out. No,
0: and that's fair, and that is 100% fair. Yeah. Absolutely. And,
1: then, and then there's that other component, which we talk about with Joe Judge and his staff all the time, the teaching component. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not enough just to tell guys and show guys, this is what I need you to and do. Expect them Sometimes to do it you actually have to draw it out of them and teach them. And that's a lost art in some pro circles. No, I now, mean, that's fair, too. Absolutely. And, we, you know, listen, we all
2: have kids, all right? And we all understand, us three at least, um, we understand that each one of them are different. And so, you know, I'm not going to be able to, like, I'll never forget when my youngest, one of my sons, Blake, my second oldest, he was the, he's still the most stubborn kid I know. But we, and we, we just, we were having a hard time with him. So we had, we went and got some, we went and got some help with saying, okay, what do we do here? You know, and the, and the, it was a psychologist or whoever it was, was a child uh, psychologist. The one thing that they said to him to us or my wife and I Listen, Blake is the kind of kid you got to kind of go around the back door in with him and – <laughs> you're going to have to – you can't just go through the front door with him every single time. And okay. you know what? Lo and behold, that's the truth. And, and again, with players too sometimes you just can't – you might have to go around to the back door, say, hey, you know what? We're going to do it this way, okay? How do you like this? And, and then just present it in a different way. So you're saying the same thing. You're just presenting it in a different way. And that could be the case here, you know? We'll see.
0: You like that analogy? No, I do. I think that was good. <laughs> I'm sure you, Blake, loves the fact that you're talking about this on, you know, Big Blue Kickoff Live. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. If, if my
2: son is listening to this show at 12 o'clock on any day, I'm going to kill him anyways. He should
0: be working, not listening to the show. Oh, ah, but remember, folks, you can't find the show on demand whenever you want to listen well, to maybe it that's on the what he does mobile too. app. On Giants.com like, at all your favorite hurts. podcast <laughs> platforms. <laughs> as Jeff reveals all the darkest secrets of his children right here on Giants.com. Okay, we got another question. <laughs> this one comes in from Dylan McPartland. Um, he's in Dublin. Wow, we get a lot of overseas yeah. questions here, which is great. It makes sense. The time change is probably a time difference. It's probably hard for them to call in. Um, He noticed, and I guess this is true, one trend that surprised people when soccer returned, especially in Germany, without fans, is that the road team won at a much higher rate. If the NFL does return to empty stadiums, which will be the case in New York and New Jersey, at least early in the season, would you expect an increase in road victories? Let's go to the former player with here. Jeff, hmm. I'm wondering what equates that. I mean, why? Well, um, I guess you know the crowd is intimidating. It's hard to hear. harder to function. Hmm.
2: So there's better. Yeah, you know what? Um, I don't. Yeah, because there's really no home field advantage other than the travel. I guess you know. Um, so I would get. I would. The answer to that would be there. There probably be a better chance of the road team winning more games. Absolutely, because I know uh, there are certain teams. You know, Seattle's a plus, tough place to play. Um, you know if you name some of the the few around the league if you don't have to go there and deal with that type of crowd noise and um, certainly I remember <laughs> Luke Pettigrew had a heck of a time getting the snap count when we went up to Seattle the, you know he jumped off sides like six times you know so that's 30 yards and penalties that'll cost you some game so yeah I think it's probably they do have a good chance of um, maybe maybe beating the home team more than normal Good question, though. Well,
1: well, the Giants have three rough road games this year. Mm -hmm. Seattle, Baltimore, and Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Those are your three, I think, that are more Mm -hmm. difficult in terms of the atmosphere than than some of the other teams. But you know what my problem is? And I'm going to take this in a totally different direction, fellas. Baltimore,
0: too. Um, Chicago's
1: not fun either, by the way. (laughs) No, no, but in September it's not as bad. True. Uh, I'm going to take this in a different direction, and I'm going to say that because of the travel logistics – and because of the fact that you don't know how many of your regular guys are going to potentially test positive on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, and you're going to have to start changing guys out literally at the last minute, I'm going to say that I will go opposite what Jeff said and say that uh, there may be a lot more difficulties to win on well, the road. Well,
0: I mean, that's the same, though, for home and road teams, right? If guys testing positive the day before the game, I mean, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Well, I think we were talking about this actually last week, John, uh, because Jeff said to me, well, what are you going to do? We we know about the potential rule now. They're saying you can change out up to 16 guys 90 minutes before kickoff. And Jeff said to me, well, what does that mean? You're going to fly the practice squad to the road site? Because on Saturday night or on Sunday morning, you wind up with a dozen guys who test positive. Yeah, I think you And did. now you have act to activate 12 practice squad guys. Now, remember, that
0: plane, pole is going to be really empty. Because steps like me are probably not going to get on that plane. So there's a whole back part of that well, plane you got that that's going right. to be open. So... <laughs> You know, maybe they're gonna have room to bring the practice squad guys. Well, and that's but know. that's the
1: other question, John. If I read the NFL protocols correctly, they're going to tell the teams on their charter they gotta have one guy per row, so they're really gonna spread out that that plane. Which which also brings the question into play: if you have regular roster guys on a road trip and on that plane. And somebody winds up being positive. Don't you want to make sure that your practice squad guys are not on that plane? Because if you're bringing them in as the emergency players, <laughs> don't you want to make sure that they are as far away uh, from boy. your your contaminated yeah, player as possible? I suppose though Two you planes. theoretically would get Two tested,
0: <laughs> but I think everyone's going to get tested before you get on the plane, right?
1: So I would I would think so, but like the baseball guys, you saw what happened with the Nationals yesterday, right?
0: Yeah, though now I think they think that was a false positive, right? Because he tested negative today.
1: So they're not sure. Right. And that's a mess because he tested, apparently he tested on, what was it, Tuesday? Mm-hmm. And they didn't come up with the positive until a day later. Right. Now, so if you test the guy before he gets on the plane, but then uh, that would be Saturday at noon, well, let's guess just is that say. You would
0: test everybody on Friday morning. And you would get the result back before they get on the plane on Saturday.
1: Well, you 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 better hope so, and you better hope that that's not a mistake. I guess what I'm saying is, John, there is so many variables in here. I'm I'm not feeling very comfortable about teams going on the road. I just there's think risk. that there's, there's a risk. lot there's a lot of moving parts here that are not going to make me feel like I have a better chance to win.
2: No. You know, the whole thing here is risk, even with not only with football, with everyone in in the world, you know, wherever we go, this thing, people are going to have to take risks sooner or later. And so, you know, this isn't a, 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 a perfect science. You know, you could test a guy on Friday and, you know, and then he could contracted on Saturday morning somewhere and you didn't know about it, you know, and then all of a sudden he plays Sunday and, 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 and he infects somebody. I, it's, it's just it's a crazy, it, it's risk. It's all about risk. It's going to happen. Something's going to, something's going to give here. Someone's going to get infected on the plane. You imagine that. I mean, Oh my God.
1: I just it's- say one thing about this before we let this go. You better be really, really, really cognizant of coaching up your practice squad players because you have no idea when you're going to need those guys on a moment's notice and how many of those guys you may need on a given weekend. And if you haven't given those guys enough of reps and enough of teaching and tutelage, they're not going to be ready to help you out when you need them. And you know,
2: real quickly, this all depends on region too. You know, look, Paul and I were talking uh, earlier today, just, and we were saying, you know, we're we're one of the safest states in the in the union right now, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. as this goes through, and and the Giants are traveling to, the other, there's other parts of the country that could be worse than others. So that team has a more propensity to have more positive cases at one so- point in time. That's so, true too. You know, yeah. so you got to really be able to understand where you're at and how how it affects what's going on in the towns that you're living in. Because then you really got to put the pressure on the players not to leave. Stay in. Don't go out. Well, that's the only know?
0: good thing, too. If you're on the road, right? I mean, you're probably not going to let these players leave the hotel on they're Saturday not night. Allow, they're
2: not going to be allowed well, to. right.
0: And in the past, you know, Jeff, there's curfew. But there are ways around that. For, well, the, for certain guys sometimes. And by the way, so, you, know, you know.
2: Yes. And most of the time, you know, the curfews, guys want to go to bed. They really do, you know. But there are the knuckleheads that still break it and somehow get away with it and don't understand that there are, now that there are cameras everywhere. Hello. Don't sneak out of your hotel room when there's a camera going down the hallway that sees you leaving at 11.05 after 11 11.00. o'clock. Bed check, idiot. Um, check that box. The other thing is, is that the guys like to go out to dinner. You know, they get tired of eating, you know, rest the the hotel food so they'll go out to dinner. Well, that's not gonna happen. Oh well, well, well restaurants probably aren't gonna be open for one. That's what I'm saying. So it's like <laughs> yeah. you know, but there there's just a, a lot of risk that you're gonna uh-huh. take and, and really the players have to on every level have to understand that you gotta be able to to really say to yourself, It's not about me, it's about our team right now and trying
0: to keep everybody safe. I just hope there's a way for us to get to that barbecue place in Dallas. <clears throat> it's been like thirteen straight years I've been going to that spot. Boy, oh, well, you can way. always get it to go. And, yeah, and, I might actually. Be, nah, but then, but then you know what? You still got to get into like an Uber, right? And, and go. I, you know, I don't want to do that.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. fi- final thought. I just thought of this, guys. I hate to belabor this, but there's one other thought here. What happens if one of your coaches winds up testing positive on a Saturday and can't make the road trip? Now, if it's a coordinator or your head coach, now you have a major shuffling to do because now huh, you're point. going to have to deal with that on the road trip too.
2: That's why you have assistant head coach and a guy that's, you know, you know, that's going to call the plays. This,
1: this whole thing is a mess. Can't it just go away?
2: Yeah, it's very layered. It just continues as we talk about it more and more come up. Imagine these uh, these talks that are going on with the NFL well, and the I was, NFLPA. I was
0: about to say it, Jeff, and that's why it's also complicated and why it's hard to figure this stuff out. And yeah. I'm just happy that they seem to be coming to agreements on certain things and one by one the issues you know they seem to be coming to agreement on hopefully – that will continue. All right, we got one more call to squeeze in before you say goodbye. Call, you're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
4: Yeah, hi, guys. This is uh, Phil from North Carolina. Hey, Phil. Hi, Phil. Uh, hey, good. Hey, um, thanks a lot, guys, for your hard work during this whole time. I know maybe next week you might get into the office, but you guys were it was pretty seamless, so you did an excellent job. Yeah, I would uh, say
0: probably not next week quite yet, Phil, but hopefully maybe the week after that.
1: Thank you.
4: Okay, we'll keep, we'll keep our uh, fingers crossed. So, so uh, you know, I wasn't. You know, I'm I'm biased. I wasn't a big. I'm not a running back in a first round guy. I I can't stand it. But so, but I'm trying to be objective with Saquon and 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 some things. You know, when I look at him, you know, I I think he falls short of the mark. You know, you know, because there was a lot of hyperbole about when he came out how great he was going to be, and I wanted, but I'm because I didn't believe they should have taken him.
0: Quick and then I'll I'll hand it off to the guys. Uh, I do think he's to get better in pass pro. I think that's fair. Um, one thing we did talk about as he came out is that he has to be a little bit more decisive and and get downhill inside a little bit. So I think part of that's fair too. I think it to look at what's going on in front of him, depending on the play also, mm-hmm. and he does have a couple drops, but I think for the most part his his pass receiving production has been pretty good. Paul,
1: well. I don't think there's any doubt that as he goes into his third year, there are still things that he'd like to improve on. He has to mature and grow into becoming the Hall of Fame back that they expect him to be. But through his first two seasons, even though he had a labor, you know, through a difficult time last year with the sprained ankle, I think uh, the numbers speak for themselves. He's put up historic numbers. And I mean historic numbers across the board for any of the great running backs who have played this game for a guy who's only played two seasons. So I think he's certainly on the right track. And, you know, I would argue with anybody who said they shouldn't have picked him.
2: Yeah I I would argue that point too. I think that like John I think he, he you're always wanting to improve in every aspect of your game. I think pass blocking is one that he needs to improve on. Obviously, he was a little bit banged up last year so that did, you know, take a hit, but um I think some of the good I think some coaching will help him. I think that the offensive line, uh, him understanding what the philosophy of the run game is all about and then putting him in situations to be able to, you know, accelerate and hit those holes and go north and south rather than dart around a little bit. So I'm excited to see him come back this year, just watching a lot of video on him right now, what he's doing in the offseason. It seems like he's moving around well, and I think uh, if he can come back to some of those historic levels that he did in his first season, uh, we're going to be happy about it. So. Put it
1: this way, he's probably about six years along uh, compared to Tiki Barber, where Tiki was at his career. Sure. You know, and he's done it in only two years, and it took Tiki probably about six years to get to the kind of level of what Saquon Barkley is playing now. And Tiki would tell you that himself if you talk to him. He thinks that Saquon is going to break all of his Giants' records.
4: Hmm. Well, I hope so. And uh, I'm a big Tiki fan because, you know, it was good value. We got him in the second round. So, uh, but uh, I hope you're right, guys. And I hope I'm, you know, being you know, I I know I'm tough on him, but I hope you're right. So thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thank you. You Thank you. Stay safe, Appreciate
0: the call. Stay safe. Um, Anything else you guys want to touch on before you say goodbye-bye? Nope. We'll see what happens
2: uh, next week. (laughs) You know, we've got Saturday and Sunday and a little bit of Monday left. And again,
0: I just want to set the timeline for everybody here, folks. And we kind of talked about this on yesterday's show, too, real quickly before we say goodbye. You know, we've gotten report dates for players, but you have to pass a test, 72 hours, pass another test, then do your physical. So basically, they're not even going to be able to see the coaches until five days after their reporting date. So we might not see anything in terms of even like strength and conditioning until like August 3rd-ish, give or Mm -hmm. take. Yeah. And then, if you have another two to three weeks of strength and conditioning, you might not see a practice until, in even an unpadded practice, until August 17th, 18th-ish, 20th, mm-hmm. something like that. And then after that, you might not see a padded practice until, like, August 27th-ish, something like that. So, uh, we'll have to see how this goes. We'll keep you updated, obviously, as more things happen. We'll cover it here yeah. and keep you informed, but... It's going to be a slog still, folks, and we'll get you any information we can. I know everyone's looking forward to things starting. No one is more so than us, but I think there's still going to be a little bit of waiting we're going to have to do. Before we get to like a real training camp type atmosphere. You
1: know, John, I think the only thing that I'd like to add is that, you know, everybody's looking at the Twitter reports, and I know the beat guys are just itching to put something out there because everybody wants to read something that's advancing the story. But the truth of the matter is, so much of this stuff is fluid, and I'm not even getting my hopes or expectations up. I'm truly taking it day by day, and when the players actually get on the field and have their first practice session, that's when that day is going to come. And I'm not going to predict when it's going to come. I'm not going to look at anybody's schedule, calendar, or timeline because everything can change on a moment's notice. So when the players are out there on the field, I hope I'm out there and I hope I see them, and that's about all I'm going to say. Gentlemen, good stuff. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you, John. We will Thank talk you,
0: on Monday. And fans, again, you can find Big Blue Kickoff 5 on Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. So if you want to find the archive of any of our shows, you can find them there. Thanks for being with us. Have a fun and safe weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you Monday on Giants.com. Stay safe.